0: And welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Lacrosse. And the 2012 NFL season is underway, and certainly not the start we were looking for here in Green Bay, but it is what it is. Obviously, most of this show will be talking about that game, what went wrong, what went right, if anything. And also looking forward to the Bears, which are coming to town in just a few days. So not much time to sulk over this defeat. It's time to get back to business. So with that, uh, we'll bring in Matt McLean, who I saw yesterday in Lambeau Field. Uh, Matt, how are you doing today in spite of this uh, loss?
1: Well, I'm still kind of licking the wounds a little bit. (laughs) Just just the whole kind of day has uh, a little bit more of a lull on it than it would have if the Packers had come out with a victory, obviously.
0: Yeah, it's kind of always that way in Packer Nation whenever they lose, especially a season opener. Uh, what did you think of the new Lambeau edition? I know we, uh, got to see that for the first time yesterday.
1: Yeah, the scoreboard was nice. Uh, it, it had some... So a couple of issues with it They couldn't seem to get the uh, yardage to go on the down It always said like second 58 <laughs> They couldn't quite get that right But the scoreboard was nice We we got into the bowl about an hour before the game started And they were showing clips of the games that were going on And everything and some of the big plays So that was a nice change
0: mm-hmm.
1: They still couldn't get the replay thing right though When there was Every time they had a challenge they would not Show the replay to the crowd. They just kept doing their little Lambo games, like the you know the Miller beer race and stuff like that, though, which was well, they, kind of frustrating.
0: Well, they did have a couple, like uh, with the Frank Gore uh, spot that they challenged, and then also the touchdown that was called back uh, when they went up twenty-three to seven the first time, where they would show it instantly, and even Bill Jarts, who's the stadium announcer, would even go, "Hey, Lambo crowd, take a look at Tundra Vision and see the play." It's I know they're do that in every city, but it's kind of funny to see the, kind of the scoreboard people try to influence the game a little bit. Yeah. Okay, well let's dive right into this. Obviously a A rough one for Packer fans a bunch of streaks came to an end for week one Uh, their streak of five consecutive season opening victories is over they could have had the record with six obviously that's gone this is their first loss to the San Francisco 49ers in the regular season in 22 years it's their first loss to the San Francisco 49ers of any kind in uh, 14 years so a lot of those things are are no more Uh, and It looks like this high-powered offense that's going to be one of the greatest of all time might be no more. Uh, Let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, Matt, I just thought the team looked incredibly unprepared from a coaching standpoint, from an execution standpoint. I guess we'll have to discuss this as far as who we think deserves the bulk of the blame, but this looked like a team that didn't realize that it was week one of the regular season.
1: Yeah, and you know, honestly, we could go into pretty much every position on the field and every part of the coaching staff and find something that went wrong yesterday so it's kind of hard to just pinpoint one thing but you're right it it looked like they didn't come out ready to play right away and even i don't know the crowd was still loud but it just kind of didn't quite have that feel that it was you know week one big game against the you know a team that was in the nfc championship game last year it just didn't quite have that vibe that you know the packers were ready to go you know super bowl type atmosphere type thing you know it just it just didn't quite have that vibe to me at at least and it, it I don't know, maybe that had something to do with it. They just didn't seem you know, ready to go, I guess, at all, like you
0: said. Yeah, and not to kind of be one of those people, but that's kind of one of the things I had expressed concern about on this show over the past couple of weeks is that they didn't seem ready in the preseason either, and that's a, such a stark contrast to the way they played in the preseason the last few years. Mm-hmm. I, I was worried they just were not going to be the team that they're capable of being right out, the, right out the shoot, especially with a team like San Francisco. Um we've heard a lot of things today about how great of a team San Francisco is and you know it's tough to lose to a team like that and i have my thoughts on that maybe i'll share them a little bit later but certainly that is part of the case but i think uh it's a little bit more telling uh about the packers team than i think some of the commentators like to admit at this point let's let's break down first some of the individual parts of the game and then we'll try to make sense of this as a whole as best we can just less than 24 hours later I say the first thing that really stood out to me as far as a problem spot was the offensive line was absolutely atrocious. Combine that with the play calling, I don't know if anybody really blamed Cedric Benson for anything other than a couple people we heard on the radio while we were stuck in traffic. They couldn't seem to block anybody in the run game. They couldn't seem to pass protect very long on most plays. And then to add to that, they'd run Cedric Benson almost exclusively out of the shotgun, which is completely against what his strengths seem to be. Uh, what are your thoughts on the offensive line and, and Cedric Benson yesterday?
1: Completely agree. Um, but I think rather than putting you know the onus on the offensive line, they are what they are. I mean, they're as skilled as they're going to be. At the, at, I can't put too much blame on them. I'm going to have to put uh, more of the blame on that. We'll get to the defensive side of the ball later, but I think in terms of the blocking, like you mentioned in the run game, I think that's pretty much completely the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. When you know that you're going against the, probably the best defense in the league, I would say arguably far and away the best defense in the league, mm-hmm. with the best pass rush, and you're going to only leave you know nobody in the backfield to pick up any blitzes or anything. There's only five linemen almost the whole game, so I mean obviously our offensive linemen are going to get destroyed by you know eight on rushing pass rushers. So I, I think I'm gonna have to put a lot of the blame on the coaches. And like you said, completely, I I don't think they had hardly, maybe one or two runs that weren't out of the shotgun. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, really bizarre to me. And you know, you don't see that hardly ever. Almost every run was Cedric Benson out of the shotgun, a dive up the middle. You know, I don't see how they expected that to work, other than maybe just kind of trying to catch the defense off guard, because we throw it so much out of that formation, but it just didn't seem like they would set the offensive lineman up for success, and I know if you want to talk about a little more what you were kind of talking about at the end of the game with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Rodgers continually getting hit at the end.
0: Yeah, I definitely want to talk about that. I said that to you in the stadium when they got to about the 30-yard line, and the San Francisco was sending pressure on every single play, like more than they could block, and I don't know if it's because they didn't have timeouts or what, but... They were insistent on playing their five wide receiver sets or four wide receivers and Jermichael Finley split out wide. And I turned to you and I said, they're not going to get this ball down the field if they don't give Rodgers any help. They're sending more than he can account for. It's basically Rodgers having to account on his own uh, for one pass rusher. Then they got sacked, of course, which uh, we weren't surprised by. And then they had third and 18, so you gotta get 18 yards, but Rodgers doesn't have enough time to throw. You almost knew at that point, if you were paying attention, that their fourth down play was gonna have to be some kind of desperation heave down the sideline. It was the only thing they had any time for. I just thought that was completely ridiculous. He seemed, Mike McCarthy seemed so stubborn that he was going to get his five guys on the field when it was clear that San Francisco knew that's what they were going to do and said, hey, go for it, because we're going to get pressure there before your guys can get deep enough downfield, and we've been covering them like gloves all day anyways, so send them at us, and they failed to make the adjustment, and basically that's how that last drive ended. Obviously that last drive is not what cost them the game, but it cost them an opportunity, another opportunity to win the game. To me it, it looked a lot like... Uh, Brett Favre just getting beat up in uh, Super Bowl 32, where Denver just knew that, hey, Mike Holmgren is not going to change his blocking scheme, so we're just going to tee off on Favre all day. And they did a, the similar thing on the final drive of Super Bowl 32. So I don't know if it's these West Coast guys named Mike that coach in uh, Lambeau, <laughs> but they don't seem to want to make the adjustments. It's This is our offense, and stop it. Even if you've shown you can, uh, they're still going to stick to their game plan, which I guess is admirable in a way, but in some situations it's, it's a little bit too stubborn for my tastes. It
1: seems kind of like that's the mantra of this team now. It, it, it kind of started when Ted Thompson got here and refuses to get any free agents, which, you know, has worked out fairly well for us so far. We won a Super Bowl, can't complain. But, I mean, then it was Dom Capers. Never changes the defense, no matter what the game type is. Mm-hmm. Just constantly sending who he's going to send, even if it doesn't work the whole game. And now it's kind of the offense. It seems like it's rubbing off on everybody here. Um, and I... I'm never one to put the blame on the coaches, really. You know, early in McCarthy's career, he was getting all the blame when we were playing poorly, and I, you know, I kind of stuck up for him. But I don't think that he's ever had a game in his career that that him and his entire coaching staff were so outmatched. It it just it looked like you know completely different levels from where we were
0: mm-hmm. to you know
1: what the forty nines were doing. All these creative run packages, um, and it just it looked like they weren't even close.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I would go that far. I I still think that probably the worst McCarthy coaching performance I ever saw was the first Giants uh, playoff game in 2007, where it just seemed like the Giants knew every single thing the Packers were going to do, just destroyed Al Harris with 87,000 back shoulder passes, and and Brett Favre, who clearly didn't have it that day, and yet they continued to throw every down. I mean, obviously we don't got to get into that game, but this is certainly up there. It's got to be in his top ten. But, I mean,
1: to me, when you look at, What went wrong? The whole game, you saw receivers like you know Manningham and and Crabtree lined up with linebackers on them. That's a coaching issue. That's not a players issue. He's got the wrong packages on the field. Obviously, if they're gonna go four or five wide, you gotta sub some players out. And I know they're not comfortable with a lot of their you know nickel and dime backs to put in there. But obviously, you you can't expect Nick Perry to cover Mario Manningham. (laughs) It's just not gonna happen. And in what I kind of talked about briefly with the, the 49ers run packages, it was kind of a lot of that Pac-10 sort of stuff. It reminded me of things that the, you ran at Stanford or you might see at Oregon. Mm-hmm. Just a lot of really creative run plays, um, whereas on the other side of the ball, like we had mentioned earlier, four wide, one running back just pounded straight up the gut out of the shotgun. It was just like night and day from the different sides of the ball.
0: Yeah, they definitely seemed a lot more creative over on the other end of things. And But even, I, I agree with you that I think that was a huge problem, but I guess coming... A little bit to talk about the defense since you brought them up I, I think Dom definitely looks like at yeah, a lot of times is especially the last two years that his defense does look old-fashioned but there's other plays where I remember we were talking about that at the game where they had a third down deep in their own territory and the Packers sent seven or eight guys and none of them get home I mean what are you supposed to do at that point as a play caller if you have Tremont Williams trying to cover a guy all by himself in the middle of the field. He runs a quick out. No, Nobody's going to be able to cover that with absolutely no help anywhere else on the field. If you send eight guys or seven guys and none of them get home, I don't care who you have in the backfield. You could have Dion Sanders and Ronnie Lott and Charles Woodson back there, and they're getting a first down on a third and seven if none of the eight guys rushing get home.
1: Yeah, and I mean, obviously that's the point of that defense. If you're gonna send that many guys, they have to get there within two or three seconds, because if they run any quick route against that, you know, with the zone defense, most likely with all those blitzes, it's gonna be a completion, whether on like a slant or a quick out. And especially if you got guys like, like, like I pre- previously mentioned, like Perry or DJ Smith trying to cover somebody, I mean, you pretty much have no chance. They have to get home on something like that, and it seems like, it seemed like the pass rush was a little better to me. You know, we saw Clay get in a couple times, Woodson got, I think, one and a half sacks. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, just continuously nobody else getting any pressure at all in all these plays where we're not getting home is just really, really punished them.
0: Yeah, other than Clay Matthews, and Clay Matthews is still incredibly hit or miss, it feels like. He's either completely out of the play or it just takes him way too long to get there or he's blowing up the pocket in three steps. Uh, it just seems – I mean, which you get – that's part of the nature of being a pass rusher. You're not just going to destroy everybody every single play. Uh, You tend to go in hot and cold streaks. I mean, even guys like Reggie White were like that. But it just, it seems like nothing's coming from anywhere else, and especially when when you're trying to, to, they're a conservative offense, but they showed a lot of different looks, and they seem to be very diverse in their play calling, and they seem to be one step ahead of the Packers. And then to not be able to count on your front three linemen to even, figure into the running game is At another all, yeah. thing that's huge. I mean, B.J. Raji plays like he weighs 175 pounds over the last year and a half. He, he's just nowhere to be found. He's getting blocked out of the hole. And then once you get to the linebacker level, guys like A.J. Hawk and uh, Smith was okay, but D.J. Smith, too, It's it feels like Frank Gore was carrying him three or four yards before he brought him to the turf. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and... I- I, it's it's hard to pinpoint really any one part of the defense that was that bad, other than you know maybe the front three, like you said, complete non-factor. And then obviously Jared Bush got exposed a lot.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, when he was covering Vernon Davis. I mean, we were kind of it was almost a, a laughable. And that's not his strong suit. I think it's almost unfair to put him in those situations. I know they have to with some of the injury situations and some of the personnel moves that were or were not made, but. Anybody who thinks that he can be counted on to cover somebody at this stage in his career is, I don't honestly know what they're thinking. This isn't new. It's not like, he's been on the team since 2006. He's been part of the defense and gotten reps on the field with the standard defense since 2007, and he has shown no improvement. So what are they expecting to get out of him?
1: Yeah, I, I, they must. You know, they don't have any other options other than just going with a guy who has experience at this point. So, I guess they're just hoping to have a guy out there who doesn't make a big mistake.
0: Well, um, shoot, you ought to get Mark Brunell at quarterback. He's got a lot of experience.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, there was one play specifically which stuck out. I remember, you know, it was so nice to see from our angle what happened. I think it was in the third quarter. Alex Smith had a guy running a post. Bush was right on his back hip. And then all of a sudden, he just started fading back like he was going to cover over the top. And he just let this receiver completely go. And Smith hit him right away as soon as that happened. It was one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen.
0: I wish I could remember who, who he, I think it uh, was that Vernon Davis play when they were up 16-7, when they were driving to go up 23-7, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and it, w- it was so
1: strange to just... You know, he's on him. There's nobody else helping him. He just completely leaves him. And I said yesterday during the game, it's it's almost like he didn't want to get you know make it look like it was his responsibility to cover him (laughs) because he was going to get probably caught on regardless. So he just kind of faded back and you know tried to watch for over the top help and just let this guy go completely wide open.
0: Uh, Yeah, that was so bizarre, and there were so many plays. And I remember. uh, Both of us saying that a few times during the game where they would throw it to somebody else. And I was actually talking to somebody at work today, and I asked if it was as apparent on TV as it was in person, where Alex Smith wasn't throwing to the open guy. He was choosing which open guy to throw to. Uh, It seemed like every play there was two, three guys that were wide open that he could have thrown to if he wanted to.
1: I can't remember him specifically making any tight throws. He, I mean, he had a good game. You can't fault him for having open receivers. He was a perfect game manager, no turnovers. But he, like you said, he had his pick. Mm -hmm. There was, you know, two, three open receivers on every play. All he had to do was just get him the ball and, you know, his stats looked good and he got the win and, you know, credit to him. But it it was, we made it pretty easy on him as well.
0: Yeah, I'd agree. Other than that, I think that touchdown to Davis, he threaded the needle on that. But other than that, he's those were college lanes he was throwing through.
1: Yeah, and you hate to be—I don't know if you heard today—Jared Bush went back to you know the playoff thing that Clay Matthews said and said that you know the Niners didn't win the game; we lost the game again today. Oh gosh! And I, I saw an article on on ESPN that just destroyed him for it, and they said that maybe that's part of the problem with the Packers is the attitude that you know they're better than everybody and they just cost themselves the game. Maybe you know they're not as talented as they think they are.
0: Uh, I I don't know I I have some things to share a little bit later in the show but it's starting to become more apparent that that might be might be the case um, I guess do you have any positives other than Clay Matthews on the defense I guess going through that real quick before maybe we we bounce back to the offense and the special teams sure um, and one
1: guy who I thought looked pretty good was Nick Perry I know he got exposed a couple times trying to cover receivers it was his first NFL game and he shouldn't be covering those guys anyways so I'm not gonna take you know, too many minuses for him on that. But I thought he had some nice pass rush too. I don't think he got any sacks, but I remember on that first Clay Matthews sack, for the first time in a long time, we saw him just come in and destroy some linemen on the other side, mm-hmm. which really kind of cleared the way for Clay. You know, he had a lot of tackles. He, he got some good pressure on it. I thought that was really nice to see. And it's just in this one game, it looked a lot better than what we've seen from anybody on that opposite side over the past couple of years.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I would agree with that. It was nice to see, especially in a position like that, like those physical positions, they seem to take a while for you to adjust to that. It seemed to take Clay Matthews three or four games before he was really a, a presence in 2009. And so it's good to see him at least showing flashes of things this early in his career. So that's definitely a good sign going forward. I thought Woodson looked okay at safety for my contribution to this. It's hard to see, I would have to, to, to look back, because obviously there's a lot of open receivers as well, but it, it was good to see him still be able to, to rush the passer, and uh, again, you shouldn't have to use your <laughs> safety so often to, to create any kind of pressure, but I think they did better. So we'll see, I think there's a a good chance that this defense is going to get better throughout the year. It, it's a, it was a tough game for them yesterday, and I, I thought they did alright, considering the circumstances. They certainly, I wouldn't put them in the top half of the NFL in terms of defense, but they certainly looked better than they did at the end of last year, uh, at least more promising than the defense that played at the end of last year. All right, let's switch over to the offense. I know we talked about them just a little bit, but I think the main one we have to talk about is Aaron Rodgers, and he played a lot like I expected him to given his preseason. His final numbers actually weren't that poor at all. Um, he had a 93 quarterback rating. He threw for over 300 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Um, 30 of 44 for 303, so almost 70% completion percentage. To me, this is a total Phillip Rivers or a early Peyton Manning type game where if you look at the stats and you're a big-time Aaron Rodgers fan, you will say that Aaron Rodgers played great. What did his team do? If you actually sat down and watched the game, he doesn't deserve a 93.3 quarterback rating in my opinion.
1: Okay, and and I'm I've kind of been thinking about this all day. I had a four-hour drive back to Lacrosse from Green Bay this morning, and I was you know constantly kind of thinking about this and listening to sports talk radio, and they were all saying everybody on there, Colin Cowherd and all these guys were saying Rodgers had a great game. You know, it was his team around him, his fault. Um, You know, and I I kind of partially agree with that, but at, at the same time, I kind of I understand what you're saying too. You know, to me, he's playing the best defense in the league. And to throw for 300 yards, two touchdowns, that interception was just terrible. But I mean,
0: he could have thrown three or four more though, too. Yeah,
1: yeah, he could have. But I don't know, I just kind of, I kind of feel like a selfish Packer fan when we look at that and say, you know, that he didn't play that well when, you know, in actuality, he probably, you know, if our defense did anything, probably played well enough to win I mean it wasn't his greatest game obviously And he's gonna have to play better if we're gonna beat a team with that good of a defense but again we were playing San Francisco so I mean I'm not gonna sit here and say that I think he's gonna have an awful season now or that he played really really terribly I think he had a good game it wasn't a great game and I don't think it's completely his fault but yeah obviously he could have played better
0: I'm not saying it was completely his fault but I'm gonna have to disagree and I'm not, when I criticize Aaron Rodgers, I'm not saying I wish 43-year-old Brett Favre was the quarterback, or I'm not saying Brett Favre would have been any better in this situation. I'm not even comparing him to Brett Favre. But what I'm saying is people don't seem to give Aaron Rodgers as much criticism as sometimes he may deserve. It feels like he plays scared a lot of times, and I know receivers weren't really getting open for him, but, and Jermichael Finley dropping another third down. But it, it just he looks so tentative out there at times, and I know San Francisco's a good team. But if you look at the last four Aaron Rodgers starts, they're one and three. And I went over the the numbers, and I don't know what happened to him in Kansas City, but I went over the numbers. They went they won 19 straight games without trailing in the fourth quarter, and then they went to Kansas City. Since then, in Aaron Rodgers' four starts, they're one and three. In that 13 and 0 start last year, they averaged 35.8 points a game. Since then, they've averaged 22.7. They've only led for four minutes in those three losses, and that was 7-6 to in Kansas City for a little bit in the second quarter. They've trailed by two scores or more for 48 minutes of the 180 minutes of gameplay in those three losses. I'm not saying it's all Aaron Rodgers' fault, but this there's something that happened, and maybe it's the fact that you won 19 straight games and everybody in the league analyzed everything you do, but it feels like Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy... The teams have figured out their secrets, and they haven't made the move yet to correct that. The play-action pass with the bootleg, and then the throw down the middle of Jordy Nelson was money last year. They've tried it three times in the preseason, and they tried it yesterday, and he's double-covered every single time. He's A lot of the different concepts they tried, the back-shoulder throw, they couldn't hit it at all yesterday. They couldn't hit it hardly at all in the preseason. Everybody knows what they're doing now, so I think that... McCarthy and Rodgers either have to they have to get back to the drawing board, and I think Aaron Rodgers, when the game is on the line, sometimes he has to take a little bit more of a chance than he's willing to take. And that's kind of what I feel like sometimes he's the anti Brett Favre. He doesn't want to throw the big pick to lose the game, but you don't want to take the sack to lose the game. Wouldn't you rather throw an interception to lose than just throw the dink and dunk when you're down twenty three to seven and throw a four yard pass on third and five? I mean I don't know, I'm just really frustrated. I feel like he's he's better than he's shown. He's never going to be as good as he was last year, so I'm not expecting that every single game. But he just feels like he's playing like he played in 2008 over the last four times he's played. He, he was so much better in even 09 or 2010 than he has been in the last four games. And this is against... San Francisco's a good team. Kansas City isn't, and they did the same thing to him. And the New York Giants are decent in parts of their defense, and other parts of their defense stink. And he was about the same as he was against the Giants. So San Francisco's a good team, but the other two teams that have also beat him up in his last four starts aren't anywhere close to as good as San Francisco is. So there's something fundamentally wrong about the offense right now, I think.
1: And I think you mentioned all three of those teams. The one thing that they all excel at is the pass rush. Even Kansas City has a really good pass rush. So I don't know if it's you know the game plan that we're not protecting well enough and he knows it, is it because, you know, the offense of line isn't good enough and he knows it? Or, you know, is he just scared to get hit? You know, he's got a concussion history, too. But, you know, I'm not, and I knew we were going to kind of disagree on this a little bit, because, just because, you know, how we've talked about Aaron Rodgers before, and I know that you're a little harder on him than I am, and maybe it's to a fault for me. But to me, if you put any other quarterback on this team yesterday with the, the way that our other players played around him, I don't think any of them win. I don't think Tom Brady wins with this team. I don't think Drew Brees wins with this team you know, I just, I think that he did as much as he could with how poorly the team played around him. You know, I, I'm putting fault on him. He's not completely blameless in this loss, but I, you know, I'm not, I, I think that he, he is, you know, the best quarterback in the NFL still, so, yeah. you know, it's kind of hard for me to, to give a guy blame who, you know, threw for 300 yards and two touchdowns, you know, to completely put the loss on him or anything, or think that he's, you know, completely fallen off a cliff.
0: The other thing that I just want to bring up real quick, and I know not a lot of people are talking about it, but the Cold Hard Football Facts is a site I like to go to a lot, and they've been talking about it for quite some time. He's now 3-19 in comeback opportunities, and people have said that's an anomaly, and his team has lost it, or he just loses close a lot, but I never wanted to say, I, I wanted to go with the idea that he's unlucky, or that his teammates don't pull through, or sometimes that just happens, but... First pass intercepted to a linebacker. I mean, that looked like a guy who doesn't know—not doesn't know what to do. But he looks different when the game is on the line. And maybe none of the other quarterbacks win the game, but I don't see Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or Ben Roethlisberger throwing that interception yesterday. And, yeah, that was that yeah. was
1: one of the worst interceptions he's ever thrown. There's he, he. I hope he didn't see that guy standing there when he threw that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so I, I'm not saying they should get rid of him or anything, but I just want to, it seems like something's wrong, and maybe it's the, the offense, people just have figured it out, and they haven't responded yet. I mean, maybe that's the best way to describe it, but I, I don't know. It just, and, and I know we threw for 300 yards, and I don't mean to be picking on him, but th- this is the offense as a whole. Remember when they went down, what was it, 30 to 15, and we looked at the scoreboard, and they had 208 yards of total offense. I mean, most of that was in two-minute drill, no huddle, trying to catch up at the end of the game when you're throwing on every single down, and San Francisco is somewhat playing the clock, not setting pressure until that last drive. It looks so different from what we're used to seeing from this bunch that I I just don't know. I I hope that they they all don't have that Jarrett Bush mentality where we beat ourselves because it's pretty clear that three of the last four teams you played at full strength have beaten you. I don't think you can argue... That they beat themselves against the Giants, that they beat themselves yesterday, or even against the Kansas City Chiefs. They were thoroughly beaten by the other team.
1: Yeah, and I, I think there's almost no instances, you know, in any game where, you know, a team who loses play their absolute best game. Obviously we didn't play great in any of those games we've lost recently, but you know, that's what happens. That's how you lose. The other team played well enough to beat you. Yeah. And I think in terms of a talent as you know, standpoint, you look at this team and what Positions were we better than San Francisco at quarterback? Yes, obviously. Hunter,
0: Tim Masthay was awesome yesterday. Tim Masthay
1: was awesome, um, and the receiving core. That's it. That's the only you know group of players, the only position on the entire team on both sides that we're better at than they were. You know, I think that it's time to you know start taking San Francisco for real mm-hmm. and start you know realizing that we most likely aren't the most talented team in the league. Not saying that we're never going to win a Super Bowl again or or win playoff games, but we. Mm-hmm might not be as talented as this team is anymore.
0: Yeah, that's certainly... And, and one last kind of rant point. I heard that on the radio this morning, and I heard it on the radio last night, and I read it in a bunch of articles where people were saying, well, San Francisco's a good team. You went 15-1 and last year! You're a year and a half removed from winning the Super Bowl. This isn't like the 2006 Packers where that's a good excuse. Oh, New England's a good team. It's okay you lose 35 to nothing. They were 4-12 the year before, and they were a terrible football team. That's a good excuse for the Jacksonville Jaguars to lose to Houston, or it's a good excuse for for Denver to get blown out by the New England Patriots. You're a team that won the Super Bowl 18 months ago, and you lost at home to a team that's a good team, and that's an excuse for why you lost? I mean, I think yeah. that's laughable.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't agree with that either. I mean, we're supposed to be, you know, one of. The, we're probably the Super Bowl favorite. I would say we're probably the top for the odds makers, weren't we?
0: Yeah. So yeah. Well, I mean us in New England, I think, had the same. It was one of those weird, like seven to two or nine to two kind of odds.
1: It just seemed, yeah, it seemed like everybody was just writing it off. Like, you know, we're not a good team. It's not like we're an upstart franchise here, <laughs> and we were in the Super Bowl two years ago and won fifteen and one last year. So. You know, I completely agree with you there. I, I think that that's a poor excuse. You know, obviously they're a good team, but we, you know, supposedly were better last year throughout the regular season than they were. So, mm-hmm. to me, and one of the things that really disgusted me is it, it kind of had that same vibe in the in the crowd too. Like it, it wasn't you know a big deal. Like nobody really seemed to care. And after San Francisco went up by two scores with about just under nine minutes left, a ton of people started leaving the stadium, and, and we were just absolutely shocked at that too. Mm-hmm. It just kind of seemed like, all right, it was the 49ers. It's you know, it stings, but it's okay, you know. But this is a game that we should have won at home and, and couldn't pull it off.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, I think the the overall sentiment of the crowd was uh, probably the same as I saw in the news after the Sunday night football game, where they were asking people their reaction to the game, and one lady very eloquently put it: "They'll turn it around. It's the Packers." So, <laughs> so we'll we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully she's right.
1: Yeah, and I, I, I think she probably is. I'm not gonna, you know, freak out. I wouldn't put it quite, maybe quite like that, but I, uh, you know, I, I think this is still one of the best teams in the NFL. You gotta be top four or five talent-wise, and I think we'll still make a good run in the playoffs, and we'll definitely make the playoffs, even though I know a lot of people are probably worrying about that today. But I, you know, I don't think it's time to panic or anything, especially after week one, but, you know, we got it, we got it handed to us yesterday, and we're just gonna have to take that.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know if I'd go as far as you. I'm not saying they won't make the playoffs, but I can't say for sure that they will. I know we talked about that on the way out. I have no idea what to expect from this team for the rest of the year. And I've been saying that since the first week of the preseason. I really don't know what this team is. So hopefully they, they, they have the talent. They've won a Super Bowl with these guys. They've also gone 6-10 and 10 with these guys. I know that's a long time ago. I don't expect that to happen. But honestly, I, I don't think they'd be any worse than like 9-7, and 8-8. Eight and eight, But stranger things have happened. So I think that there's no reason to hit the panic button, but there's also not much reason to say they'll be okay, if that makes sense.
1: Yep, I understand what you're saying.
0: Okay, well, with that, uh, we're going to take a quick break here, and then we're going to get to some Facebook comments and some of your reactions from the game yesterday, and also we'll uh, talk briefly about the Chicago Bears matchup coming up in just a couple of days. Um, The Packers' 2012 season will start with a bang and. It might start with the wrong kind of bang, I guess. Uh, Could be 0-2 in just five days into the season. So we'll talk about that and see if we think that's going to happen. So sit tight. Welcome back to Green and Gold Forever, and uh, that song really didn't have anything to do with the show at all. I just really wanted to hear the Beatles after a really tough game uh, yesterday. Uh, we're gonna get to our Facebook page here, and actually, Matt, we do have a, a clip from uh, Mike McCarthy yesterday. It, he was kind of near the shower, so his, his voice sounds a little bit nasally, but he was he was talking about the uh, 2012 Packers. We got a long way to go. We got a lot of work to do. We're close, and close don't mean. And you can put that on TV for me. So he was a little upset about about yesterday's game. Uh. Yeah, it sounds different than he normally does Well, you know, he he was real intense because of the the tough loss (laughs) Alright, so uh, we put out a couple of questions on Facebook and Twitter And we got a couple of responses on short notice on Facebook So we appreciate everybody for going and taking a look at that And giving us your opinions And uh, Matt's going to share those with us right now
1: Okay, so uh, you had posted on the Facebook site yesterday You know, it was a rough start uh, And just kind of asked everybody what they thought of the performance If this was uh, foreshadowing for a bad season Um, just kind of let us know what you think. So, uh, first comment was from Superfan Caleb Pike, and I will read what he said here. He says, I got to feel like a lot of the blame goes to coaching, lots of penalties, blown coverages, not wrapping up. And if you play calling all show, they weren't ready to play. They could be a great team this year, but they'll be in big trouble trying to keep up if they lose at home to the bears. Um, so yeah I mean we, we we touched on a lot of that stuff We'll be getting to the Bears here in just a second But you know everything that he touched on there The penalties we didn't really talk or about the refs too much yet Maybe we can get into that real quickly here But mm-hmm. the blown coverages The poor tackling and the play calling Were all things that we had kind of already discussed So you know I, I completely agree with Caleb there I don't think there's much to argue with there I think that's the sentiment of most Packer fans right now
0: Yeah I, I would agree And let's just talk about the referee uh, real quick Before we get to our second comment We were in Kind of a peculiar section last night when we were watching the game, and felt like after everything, the the people were chanting, "We want real refs," and I certainly agree with them. I didn't agree with their reasoning because I felt some people were blaming the referees for the Packers' loss, and I don't think if you would have had Ed Hockley out there, you would have all of a sudden had pass protection, and you would have ran, you know, not out of the shotgun, and you would have had people covering better. But there were some things that were really weird about the calls, and I didn't even think that the, the no calls on many of San Francisco's coverages were that bad. I thought the James Jones play was bad. From what I've heard, we didn't we were looking at the stadium, but from what I heard, there was indeed a block in the back on that Randall Cobb play. Uh, it did feel like they, they were really inconsistent, which I think is the part that bothers me the most. If you have one of those pro crews some of them call the pass coverage incredibly stingily and then others don't seem to call anything like the last few plays of a of a basketball game in the NCAA tournament where you can do anything but murder a guy and you can get away with it but these people seem to be all over the place where sometimes you couldn't do anything and then other times you could basically rip a guy to the ground and it didn't get called. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah the inconsistency was the was the main problem I had honestly I think it the bad calls pretty much even themselves out, and if anything, we got the you know the upper hand there because we got a touchdown off one that probably should have been called. Mm-hmm. So I mean, <laughs> there's there's definitely not any way in my mind that a Packer fan can blame the loss on the refs. They were bad, yes, but you know I, you can't blame it on them. And you know honestly, I think that these guys have done a pretty decent job. And from everything I've heard, obviously we didn't get to watch you know the TV broadcast of most of the games yesterday, but that ours was the worst by far. Mm-hmm. And you know and I don't there was nothing that cost us the game or anything. So, you know, overall, I really don't think these guys are doing that bad of a job. But, yeah, there was was some shoddy calling, but, it, it, you know, I'm not going to obviously put the blame on the refs for the loss.
0: Yeah, I I think I'll, I'll close with my thoughts on this, is that I agree with you that it's incredibly inconsistent. It was probably inconsistent across the board. I think that... The NFL should try to get the regular officials back into the fold as quickly as possible, but I don't think the officiating is bad enough where they're deciding outcomes of games.
1: Okay, so the the next comment we had, just kind of t- tailing off that one on Facebook, was uh, from Brian, and he says there was a lot of inconsistency on both sides of the ball. They didn't get rolling until the fourth and were just unable to have any sort of momentum in the first half. I still believe 12-4, and 11-5 for this team, however, and I'll probably agree with that. I still don't think this seemed like you said, you know, potential. I know you said worst case scenario nine seven eight and eight, but I still think this is probably an eleven win team. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously we were, we were inconsistent on both sides of the ball. It seemed like most drives that were stopped before they started, but the ones that went well went very well, uh, especially a couple of those touchdown drives and then the one at the very end. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I you know I completely agree. I th- I think this is still a, a pretty good team, but there was way too much inconsistency. Seeing it, it almost looked like a fifth preseason game.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I'd go 12-4. and four. That's a really good season. But this, to me, feels a lot like a Mike Sherman kind of team where they start the season and you're like, what are these guys doing? This is not a talented team. We're in deep trouble. And then all of a sudden they get to the end of October and they're the best team in football and they're just destroying everybody. Yeah, uh, It feels like this team has a lot of potential to do that, where they might start 3-3 three and three, or they might start 2-2 two and two or 4-3. and three, But I think that once they get rolling, they're going to be a pretty tough team. Hopefully they get rolling before it's too late. (laughs) That's all I'm worried about. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, speaking of rolling, they're not going to have much chance to get momentum going before their next contest because it's this Thursday against the Chicago Bears. Luckily enough, it's at Lambeau Field, and this will be the first matchup with the Chicago Bears in 2012. 2011 has got to be the most dominant year in the history of the Packers-Bears rivalry, with the Green Bay Packers defeating the Chicago Bears four times in the calendar year. Uh, They had two really hard-fought games against them in the 2010 season, uh, early 2011, where they beat them 10-3 a day after New Year's in Lambeau Field and then beat them in the NFC Championship game uh, 21-14 to go to Super Bowl 45. And then last year in the regular season, the Packers were able to beat the Bears in some sort of close games, but the Packers controlled most of them. Uh, 4-0 against the Bears is is pretty impressive And it actually turned Mike McCarthy's record Against Lovie Smith from a losing record Into a winning record over the course of that Streak there So certainly uh, something interesting Be nice to keep that going to get the 5th straight win Against the Chicago Bears But it's going to be tough The Bears scored uh, 41 points against Albeit the Indianapolis Colts But looked okay at times at home Uh, Their defense looked a little bit suspect And they're pretty much the Bears They win they aren't really impressive doing it, but they certainly are capable of beating just about anyone when they're rolling. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and like you said, a lot of these games more recently have been pretty low scoring. It seems every time like it should be, you know, an absolute shootout, kind of like it does this coming Thursday, and then it ends up being, you know, ten three or you know, twenty one seventeen, something like that. So mm-hmm. I'm really interested to see how this goes, considering our defense looked so bad against San Francisco, and and obviously I would say Chicago's offense is considerably better than San Francisco's is. Mm-hmm. And obviously Chicago's defense didn't look great against Indianapolis either. So it kinda has the feeling like it should be, you know, a high scoring shootout here, but it always kinda seems like when it comes around it's gonna end up being a defensive battle somehow.
0: Yeah, I think the the thing about the Bears, they might be more explosive than San Francisco's offense, but they're definitely more adept at turning it over, I think, than yeah. San Francisco's offense is. The thing I worry about in this game is that the Bears have seemed to have a ability to control Aaron Rodgers better than any other team that he's ever gone up against even when he was beating up on a whole bunch of other teams in not necessarily last year but in 2010 and things like that they always seem to be able to keep him in check uh, more so than anybody else so when the offense is already struggling or at least not quite yet in sync it makes me a tad nervous that we get the Bears right away I would like to wait that game out a little bit but he certainly has the capability of doing that. Of course, his, his five touchdowns, the only time he's ever done that in his career was on uh, Christmas night last year, so he certainly has the capabilities of doing that, but it, it could be another dogfight for the Packers, and, and hopefully their defense will be able to keep up and, and, and slow down the Bears a little bit. Uh, Matt, do do you care to make a prediction?
1: Yeah, I don't know. This is so tough for me. Uh, like You were just talking about the defense. To me, you know, Comparing it to this week, you, you know, you think Alex Smith was tough, wait, he's, you, you know, Jay is gonna be throwing it to Brandon Marshall, and instead of, you know, Frank Orr, who's a great back, but you got Matt Forte instead, who's a lot more versatile. Mm-hmm. It's, it just seems like the matchups are so bad, you know, I think our offense can exploit that defense some, but I think I'm gonna stick with my prediction that it's gonna be a shootout, even though, you know, it kinda seems like it usually isn't, and I'm gonna say a close one, but I'm gonna say, you know, me being the confident Packer fan, I'm gonna say 38-30
0: Packers. Ooh, wow, that's a, that's a shootout for sure. <laughs> I think this is going to stay lower scoring. Uh, they always tend to with these games. I can't see the Packers losing two in a row, uh, especially both at home. If they do, I think this team's in big trouble. And Well, I guess it depends on the way they do it, but it certainly can't be a good sign if they lose two in a row at home to start the season against two pretty good football teams. I think it'll be tough. I think the defense is going to step up. I think they're going to force some turnovers this time around. And I think the Packers are going to win this one. I'm going to say 23-20. Uh, but I think I still, <laughs> I don't know how much confidence I put in that, but I feel very much like I did last night when we were talking about this game as we were leaving the stadium where if the Packers beat the Bears 45-3 on Thursday, I wouldn't be surprised. And if they lose to the Bears 38-20, I wouldn't be surprised either.
1: hmm we've won the games against the Bears in the last couple of years here, you know, by making those turnovers, like you said, you think that they're going to come up with some. To me, it's, you know, I kind of have that same feeling. Cutler seems to do that against us, but, you know, thinking about yesterday's game, it, we weren't even in position to make any kind of plays on anything. Yeah. It's, you know, we got to, we have to at least get the secondary guys in position to make plays. They, you know, if you, it's hard to make an interception when you're five yards off the receiver.
0: That's so
1: it, it's, it's kind of scary for me thinking, you know, they're a lot deeper at receiver now. So that means that, Jared Bush is going to have to either cover, you know, Devin Hester, Earl Bennett, Alshon Jeffrey, you know, these big receivers, Brandon Marshall, Tremont Williams is going to have to have the game of his life if we're going to slow down this offense at all, because he's going to get targeted about 15 times, so, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of scary thoughts thinking about that, and, you know, you hope Cutler kind of coughs it up again. He didn't look very good at all in the beginning of the game against Indianapolis, so hopefully we can get that kind of Jay Cutler throughout the whole game.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you make some good points there. I'm feeling less confident about my prediction. I guess I'll be a good Packer fan, but they go 0-2. I reserve the right to pick them to lose to, well, I don't, maybe I don't think they'll lose to Seattle, but we'll see. Who knows? This team might, might, probably is going to go 0-16. Is that what we're saying? <laughs> probably, I don't think so. Maybe, maybe okay. 1-15, but. Yeah, they'll beat the Rams. Okay, uh, so that's, uh, our, our quick Preview of the game that's coming up quickly this Thursday. And if you guys have any comments about anything, especially if you have any ideas for what if segments, we're going to be doing that next week. You can go to our Facebook page where Matt read some responses that we got this afternoon. Uh, Green and Gold Forever Podcast. Uh, also, if you want to listen to our show or our archives, you want to go to our Podbean site. And I believe I said it wrong last week, but it's greengoldforever.podbean.com. Is that the number for? That's the number four, Matt There you go <laughs> And that's where you can uh, listen to all of our new shows And I, we're actually going to start doing some blog things And I'm working on sort of an ambitious project of Super Bowls uh, If anybody has ever known me, and uh, m- many of our listeners obviously do uh, I've been a Super Bowl fanatic since I was, what, Matt, about seven years old? Yeah, at least <laughs> So I, I'm planning on doing a series on Super Bowls coming up nearer to the playoffs So So keep an eye on that if you're a Super Bowl fan like I am And uh, maybe we'll have some other comments on there from time to time, but that's a good place to to listen to our show, especially past episodes. And you can always hit us up on Twitter, uh, at GreenGoldForever. That's the number four. Uh, That's our Twitter handle. So join us uh, next week. We'll have another game to talk about already. And then for a while, about, what, 11 days, we won't have anything to talk about. So we'll be right in the middle of that, and we'll uh, try to get to a what-if segment again next week. So, uh, Matt, you got anything left to add before we sign off for the week?
1: No, no, I don't think so.
0: <laughs> okay, <laughs> sounds good. I don't have anything left either, so for Matt out in lacrosse, uh, I'm Eric at Oshkosh. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Green and Gold Forever this week. Take care, everyone.